Let's do relationship. Ooh. All of existence is relationship. How you relate to the world, the people, the circumstances, and conditions of your life, including yourself, determines the qualities your life takes on. Let go of your judgments to create healthier relationships in whatever is causing you friction. Mm. Oh, yeah, the end point really, really hits home with me. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. All right. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Way of the Artist podcast. We have a part two of a two-part series where we're actually going over the artist laws, which are the foundation of this show. Um, something that is kind of been pretty cool doing the first one. So if you haven't listened to that one, listen to it after this, or you know, just keep enjoying the show. Anyway, I'm Brandon and Evans here, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go over the other ten laws. And the last one we went over the first ten, and it was pretty good. It was. Uh, you know, kind of useful for us just to go over it again. But um, yeah. also this all kind of came out of uh, something kind of cool because we created a website where you guys can go now and we have this thing called the Creative Jump Starter. And on the Creative Jump Starter, it has all these laws. And we thought, hey, why don't we do a couple episodes about the artist laws? And then if people want to use that, they just kind of have something to touch base with. Anyway, Evan, I don't know. What do you got to add, my man? Yeah, no, uh, I just wanted to say, like, uh, if you're just tuning into this one and you haven't listened to the first one, like, there's these are in no particular order. Um, you don't have to. There's not like there's some that are more important than others. We're just going through them uh, the way that it's uh, laid out in the free, uh, you know, downloadable that uh, that we created. So we're just going through them. We're reading exactly what's on them. And then we're just talking about them a little bit more in depth here um just to flesh them out so um take that for what you, what it is and let's uh let's get let's get cracking yeah let's get down to it all right i'm going to start with the law of intention so law of intention states get clear on your intentions and watch what happens answers will come clarity and purpose will bubble to the surface understanding and setting intentions gives you a direction and creates space for powerful new revelations. So what are we going to say about this? I mean, intentions kind of, it, it, I think it's a good tool to use, or it's kind of a good law to go back to as an artist, because, you know, you might go like, well, I don't know what I'm trying to, like, I don't know how this is supposed to look. I don't know if this will work. I don't know um, what will come of this. So the intention is, well, what do you want to do with it? What, why, why do it? You know, create mm -hmm. some type of um, yeah, well, like what's the thing behind it? Yeah, totally. Like what's inside of you that that you want out in the world? And and you know, you might find with intention that it's like you intended this, but it didn't end up quite as you intended. But you need an intention. You have to, um, or it's just without it, you kind of can get lost on the way. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like and and also, I think that intention is a thing that. Um, is overlooked. I find that it's something that's so often overlooked and is um, even something that that 
I have to remind myself of from from time to time and something that like, you know, when I'm starting new classes with uh, with students, you know, like it's something that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is something I used to do and I stopped doing it. And I think it's really important. But just say like, OK, well, like what are your intentions for, you know, the next, uh, you know, for this class for the next, you know, however many weeks or days or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's really important, you know, like it helps us. It, it's a way of that allows us to get in touch with with ourselves and also it i don't know it sets something in motion you know like when you when you kind of declare that intention and you don't always have to do it you know in in some like gesture of speaking it out loud to the world sometimes that's useful um but it can be something that's just for yourself too you know sometimes it, it you have to gauge wh- which which one is going to be more powerful for you depending on the situation sometimes you need to you need to express it out loud and sometimes it's more important that you keep it for yourself right that that no one else is is in on it as well so i don't i find that whenever i set an intention it has an interesting way of of coming about you know sometimes not in the ways that i expect them to but I very often find that if I look, it's just like, oh yeah, actually the, uh, my intention with this completely came to fruition in some, in some form. Yeah. Also, I'd say that the law of intention is it, it it can be insightful because if you start to get clear on your own intentions, you can have a better understanding of, you know, other people and just how certain things work together. I know, for example, writing a screenplay, it can be challenging sometimes to sometimes write the bad characters or write a character that you don't understand, but everybody has an intention. And there's that saying, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I mean, often people do sometimes bad things or seemingly bad things or things that you don't like, but they didn't do it with the intention to actually cause the bad thing. And it's good for you to understand your intention because if you find yourself going down the road of doing something that is like harmful or hurting someone or it's upsetting their feelings understanding like and having clarity on why you were doing it can help them understand you and can help you understand people and i'll say one other thing about intentions be very careful about assumption with intention because you know i think sometimes we see certain things and we think oh the intention must have been bad but it's not Mm. always that way sometimes the intention was good and it just the results were bad but um i think the reason why this is important particularly in art is sometimes you have a good intention and the results of your art are bad and you need to understand that you might have wrote a script or did a painting or made a song and it just turned out like garbage you know it just didn't work out (laughs) but your intention was good and so kind of go like there's nothing wrong with your intention but sometimes your intention will lead you down the road of an experiment you know so to so to say and it just doesn't work the way you want so you go okay well my intention doesn't change but my lessons have changed and i've learned how to do this better so i'm not necessarily changing the intention which might be to write a very moving or emotional song or something that makes people dance or whatever the hell you're trying to do. Um, but I learned some things. I yeah. tried to do it and I learned some things. Intention is yeah. good for as a teacher. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think just to maybe kind of wrap this one up, it's like ten intention helps you get into the ballpark of a place that you want to be. Uh, or at least that's the intention behind intention. Um, and as you pointed out, Brandon, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't work out. You know, sometimes there are things, you know, we're human beings. We can't see, we can't look into the future and, and see exactly what's going to happen. You know, intention is us, you know, trying to land in a certain place. It doesn't always happen. Um, but at least when we have, we understand what our intention is going into something and when our intentions are, are good and positive things, you know, when things don't work out, we can, we can at least know where we started from, right? Mm -hmm. It, it, we can, at and we can accept where we were ignorant or made a mistake or what have you. And it, we can move on with a little bit more grace and dignity when we start from a place of good intention. Yeah. And just one last thing as well. This is more of like a social political commentary. Intention matters. There are people who say that intention doesn't matter. It fucking matters. If we don't have intention, I don't know what leg we have to stand on to act in good faith towards one another. Intention matters. Mm, I agree with that. Okay, one last thing I got to say just about intention. <laughs> if you were sailing, like this happened, you know, you're, you're sailing somewhere, you're going into the open seas and you don't know what's out there. Uh, you might think, okay, I'm intending to go to a certain place. Like I forget who it was. They thought they were going for India and they ended up coming to North America. You know what I mean? Like you just don't know how the world, you don't know how everything ties together, right? When you're in your creative yeah. process. So intention is, a, is enough to get you going, but you may find along the way that you have a great discovery of something totally unexpected. And so all I can say is with the law of intention, set yourself on course, but be open to something other than what you expected. Beauty. Beauty. All right. I guess it's my, uh, my turn here. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with the one that's on the top of the page. Expression. The daring of your full innermost expression inspires the world and inspires others to do the same. Some won't like it. That's okay, nor is it your business. Expression often needs to disrupt. Don't let your truth fall silent and let your light out. All right. <laughs> Expression. You want to start? Or shall I? Oh, well, look, I'll say this. Look, expression is, um, you know, I think this is closely tied to authenticity, right? Like you you know, being more true and authenticity to me is like being more true to yourself. Right. So, so expression needs to be informed with authenticity, I think. And the thing is, is that sometimes expression shows you who you are. Like it lets you know who you are. And, um, I think in expression is one of those things where it's like, when it comes to art, have at it. You know, let your, let it pour out, let, let all of that get poured, poured into your art and, and try to express your thoughts and your feelings and all of this stuff in your art. Mm -hmm. I think with expression, it's kind of like you can express your feelings, but it also like, it doesn't mean that you remove things like kindness and, and care and consideration, yeah. stuff like that. Like, 
by all means express that you're angry, but it doesn't mean that you get to be a jerk about it. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't give yeah. you just free reign, but it is important for you to be honest. Like, and sometimes it's like, you're really angry. The expression doesn't have to be of the rage, but it could be like, I'm feeling rage. I'm feeling angry, you know, or just acknowledging that. And that helps unblock you as an artist. That's a big part of the process, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Expression can, you know, and I think expression is also sometimes it's, it's a bit of a mystery um, to ourselves, you know, like sometimes we don't always know exactly why, you know, we don't have a rational understanding of why something needs to be expressed. But as you said, sometimes if you just let it be expressed, you'll learn something. You'll, you'll maybe understand after the fact why that needed to, to come out. And as you said, you know, it's not, it's not, well, this is my expression. And so I'm just going to say something, you know, hateful and ignorant or something like that. That's, that's not, that's not what, um, that's not really what we're talking about more so that when you speak something honestly and express something honestly, um, that you're bound to upset some people and, uh, a book that I'm reading um, by a guy named Thomas Merton right now. Uh, uh, to paraphrase something I, I read recently from it, which I thought was just wonderful, but he was speaking specifically about artists and saying, if you're not offending somebody, you know, like even just a small percentage of the population, <laughs> it's like, then you're not doing your job. You're not doing your work as an artist. If Because if everybody, if it's just kind of pleasing to everybody then you're not you're not really saying something you're not really going deep enough into yourself um in what you're doing so that that becomes part of it but it's um it's also where there's uh, a certain sense of fulfillment as well like that's that's the only way that you can do it is through that authentic expression yeah also, I think this is actually kind of nicely tied to intention because, you know, if your intention is just to try and not rock the boat and keep everybody happy all the time, you're not going to be very good at expression. So, you know, your intention um, can help inform your expression because, you know, you can look at it and go like, okay, well, look, I'm going to let you know how I feel, you know, but th that's the intention. If you don't like how I feel, if you don't like how I think about this, that's really your problem. And I think a really important part of the law of expression is that you really don't want to let yourself care what people think. And it's not your job to protect their feelings. At the same time, I want to say this caveat though. It doesn't mean that you should be mean or cruel. It just mm -hmm. means that you don't have to like candy coat everything and, and, and just be super tamed down and like toned down just because people get offended really easy. Like being an artist is not, is not about playing it safe. You know what I mean? And if you're not playing it safe, people are going to get offended. People might not like it, you know, whatever. But if your intention is good, your expression can be free. You know what I mean? Um, but you should not dull down your expression to try and take care of everyone else. Everyone has a responsibility to manage their own feelings and their own thoughts, just like you do. And, and 
I think if we live in a in a society, I mean, this sounds like we're getting into bigger issues, but if look, if we live in a <laughs> society where it's like, look, everybody can honestly express their feelings and we're all going to hear each other and witness each other. And, and we'd have a more creative, open society. And that's really what we want. Right. So yeah. I think as a practical tool with expression, if, if say this is your, your stuck as an artist, or you just need a launch point, you use the law of expression as going like, I feel this way. Let me create something with it. Or, um, you know, uh, if you're feeling blocked, look at how your expression has been blocked and, 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 and open the floodgate on that and let that pour out in your art. That will, that will get you moving in a way that I think is very, very profound. And by the way, usually when you start your artist uh, endeavor, it's only you and your art and no one else has anything to do with it, but you, you know, so um, keep that in mind. Well said, my friend. Well said. Well said. All right, let's move on. All right, all right. Next one on the let next one on the list. <laughs> you're driving you're driving us forward, Evan. Well, we went a little long last time and it was a yeah, great yeah. conversation. Um right. but you know, I feel like I feel like, you know, we don't need to cover every single inch of of these these topics because these things can be endlessly explored, right? For sure. Okay. I'm doing seasons, the law of seasons. All right. There is a time and place for all things. Life has ebbs and flows, which are meaning, which are all meaningful. Do not compare yourself with the blooms of others today, or they will see their, I can't even read that properly, man. (laughs) (laughs) Do not compare yourself with the blossoms of others today, for they will see their fall and winter, just as you will see your spring and summer. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Got it. Made it through. It's bound. It's bound to happen to one of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that you know the law of seasons is like one of those. Um. You know, this is one of those sort of let's take a big step back kind of kind of laws, kinds of pieces of wisdom where it's like it's like let's gain a bigger perspective, you know, which is often useful when we get so, when we're really caught up in, in the minutia and drudgery of certain things, which is, you know, uh, you know, we talked a lot about comparison in, uh, in the last one and, and, you know, seasons deals a lot with that, you know, we can very often, um, you know, there are, there are ebbs and flows in our lives. There's, there's a time for everything. Uh, and nature is sort of, that's why it's seasons, right? That's why we use this word because, you know, this is something that we observe in nature. Um, and it's something that we can observe in ourselves as well. There's a time to be still, there is a time to take action. There is a time for all things but in their time. And I think that sometimes we're trying to force things um, so often as opposed to moving and being in tune with like the seasons of who we are, the seasons of ourselves. Um, And we can't give you an easy answer as to like what that is because that involves you and your relationship to yourself. However, I think as as a sort of just a more general broad sense of wisdom to this, Um, we can learn to recognize that like, oh, hey, like 
you know, sometimes we can see somebody who's maybe doing really well for themselves, you know, and as we discussed, appreciation is usually the best thing to do there. If we can muster it and appreciate and be inspired by people who are doing that. But we can sometimes really turn that against ourselves if maybe we're struggling in, in one way or another. And seasons can remind us that like, hey, you know what, like my season is going to come as well at some point, you know, my season and, and there's going to be, you know, success and not not in just in, in financial or career, but like in numerous areas of our of our lives and our relationships in our, you know, in our peace of mind and what whatever aspect of life that you want to look at um, that stuff's coming. You know, we will have that time. And just as this person that we were envious of, you know, they're just a human being as well. And they're going to have their times of, of struggle where they're looking out at somebody and just being like, oh, God, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say, uh, you know, seasons, if you're not so swayed by everything that's going on around you, you can be more in touch with what you're going through. I think that's a really important part of it is like, you know, there's, there's kind of your own seasons as a person, you know, that like, if you're, if you get off social media and stop looking at things like Instagram, because Instagram, for example, is just going to make everything look like summer and everything's wonderful and everybody's <laughs> happy and everybody's living the dream except you. And then, you know, um, you know, if you feel like you got to fake it and pretend you're somewhere where you're not right. Um, now you're trying to fool the world, but you begin to fool yourself. I think the law of seasons is about honesty. It's about being real with yourself and, mm. you know, saying, you know, I'm going through something emotional right now and that's okay. You know, and then when you're on top of the world and everything's just flowing and working out, you know, you don't get arrogant about it. You know, you kind of go, okay, like this can go away. This can pass and I'm going to embrace it and enjoy it while it's here. Um, yeah. you know, we usually, when we focus on others, we tend to focus on their success and the highest points of their career or whatever, the, the highest things that are going on for them. And it's weirdly enough, people tend to focus on the lowest points of themselves and they compare their lowest point to that person's highest point. And the truth is, is like, nobody goes around talking about what it was like to emotionally deal with something, at least not publicly and socially, right? You get that more yeah. in private groups. I think the law of seasons is kind of just acknowledging that even if someone looks at like they're at the top of their life, or even if you're not, that everything passes, you know, everything yeah. changes and evolves. And there's a beauty in the evolution of it. Last thing I'm going to say about this is I was just walking down the street today and I saw a leaf that had fallen on the ground. And obviously this leaf is dying um because it's fallen off the tree but the leaf was like um green with like this red kind of encringing on it and it was beautiful it was like mm -hmm. such a beautiful little leaf and you know yeah the leaf itself is dying but you know the fall process like the shedding of stuff there's a lot of beauty in the shedding season of yeah. your life right so just embrace it all is beautiful and try to look at the good part of why this is necessary yeah. And it, that's a good word too, is like, is, is there, yeah, the beauty and the necessity of all parts of it. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we, we 
fight ourselves beyond what's necessary. I think in, in many ways, like, you know, the law of season says like, well, what are you, what are you trying to force right now? What are you forcing right now? That's not in season, you know, just like you can't make, you know, you can't make the leaves, <laughs> you can't make the leaves come out of the trees, you know, in the middle of winter, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. So, but what can you do? in this moment what what are things that you can engage with at that in in that season in your own life right so what are you trying to force and and let it go a little bit you know and as you kind of alluded to this too shall pass yeah yeah such such an important such an important part to the whole thing all right next one shall we let's do it let's do uh Let's do relationship. All of existence is relationship. How you relate to the world, the people, the circumstances, and conditions of your life, including yourself, determines the qualities your life takes on. Let go of your judgments to create healthier relationships in whatever is causing you friction. Oh yeah. The end point really, really hits home with me personally, because, well, for example, my relationship to people in general, you know, I think when I was, when I was younger, I used to have such idealistic point of view of people. I say, people are great. Everybody's great. Everybody, whatever. And I started to go out in the world and try to do things and, you know, and, and build up and, I started to realize that, you know, actually there's some pretty ugly things about people. You know, they can be actually quite envious and quite jealous and quite um, petty and uh, very selfish um, and inconsiderate. And so then as you get older and you experience some of this stuff, you might start to go, wow, people are pretty shitty, (laughs) but it's a scary world. Um, That's a relationship that is being built with my idea of people. And, you know, just to kind of go over the end of what that said is that let go of your judgments to create a healthier relationships with whatever's causing you friction. And it's like a judgment, you know, it's like, well, if I just go, all oh, people are envious and they're, and they're, and they're mean, why are they envious? Why are they being quote unquote mean? You know, what's making them act selfishly and realize that it's not personal, that maybe I can see how I do that too. Like, um, I don't think of myself as an envious person, but maybe I can understand why someone would feel that was a good option. You know, maybe yeah. I can understand how, in what ways, like I'm selfish or I look out for me before I look out for other people and begin to see the innocence in it all. Right. And I think, um, the law of relationship, it's like, it's, it's like assumption, right? We gotta be, we gotta be mindful about our assumptions and what we think they mean. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think our relationship to people, our relationship to our art can be filled with assumptions that cause friction for us and make it difficult for us. Like, here's a a bad assumption. Like, nobody makes it in the arts. I've never created anything good, you know, like, um, you know, maybe whatever. Like, you have these assumptions, like, I don't have the skills, right? And you look at it and you go, well, try to try to create a new relationship to maybe not being good at something. Like, why don't you look at it instead of like, I'm no good at this is like, I'm learning this. That's a different relationship to the same idea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We can draw all sorts of um, examples. I'm going to provide one in just a second. But one thing that's become 
immediately apparent to me, and we're going to get to it, but how connected relationship and the law of story are to each other. Because, you know, the stories we tell have so much to do with how we relate to something, right? And sometimes we're not always telling a good story. Um, we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> later on. I don't want to dive too much into it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm a person like I, I have perfectionistic tendencies and it's something that I've gotten a lot better with over the years, you know, because it, it, um, in some ways it still does this, but I, I less so than it used to. But if I couldn't be good at something very quickly, I, it would just lead me to just drop it. You know, I'm like, no, nope, I'm done. Like, I don't want to, I would just get frustrated and, and, you know, and, and angry and, and drop it. Um, and then I don't remember where I heard this from or read this, but it was something that totally changed my relationship to, to struggle. Um, and it's basically like when you're learning a skill, particularly when you're learning a new skill, um, when you're having a challenge with it, it was saying like what's happening is your brain is building new pathways to actually be able to do it. Is that your brain? And that was something that I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like it, it gave me a new perspective on what was happening. So like, you know, I've been playing guitar for, for a long time, but I'm always learning new stuff and, and pushing my skills. So there's still times when I'm like, okay, I'm trying to learn how to do this thing and my fingers are not going where I want them to go. And I can feel that frustration starting to come up, that reaction, you know, and then I can tell myself, it's just like, oh, hey, my brain's building new pathways right now. And suddenly it's just like, oh, that's really cool. My brain is like, is actually changing itself to learn how to do this in this moment right now. And suddenly I had this like, instead of it being this frustrating thing, I'm like engaged with this and fascinated by the biology. And then it's like, okay, do the exercise again. All right. Da, 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 da. Oh, that was a little bit better. Okay. Do it again. Da, 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 da. And, and next thing you know, it's like, wow, your skills are really improving. You know, everything is difficult until it becomes easy, just as a side note to this. But anyhow, th this is, um, this is really just to, to illustrate that was a change in relationship, a change in relationship to something that I was doing in my life that made it healthier and more joyful and relieved a lot of stress and anxiety, you know, that was that I had as a source in my life. Yeah. I mean, the way you said that, like, you know, that, that saying, you know, everything is difficult until it becomes easy is changing your relationship because you know, what's your old belief that's been in place, right? Like what's your relation? Cause the, the thought you have about it is your relationship to the thing. So, you know, I'm no good at this. I'll never be good at this is a relationship to it. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas everything is difficult until it becomes easy. It's just like, okay, let's just like, it's going to be difficult, but it's going to eventually be easy. So let's just keep kind of pushing through the difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it has a, this has a great relationship to the law of practice or law of discipline, which we talked about last week and the other one, um, because, you know, um, people have sometimes have a negative relationship or a resistant relationship to discipline and practice. And it's like, when you begin to see that that's helping you and you begin to be thankful of it, you actually 
start to do it. And you start to look at it as like, well, if this is good for me, I want to do more of it. Right. And especially when you begin to see the relationship improve. So I look at it this way. The law of relationship is kind of, you know, as a practical point of view is like, is this helping me? And is it building something for me or is it tearing something apart for me? And yeah. most of the time you're probably going to want to lean towards it's building something for me and you want to build a relationship that way. But sometimes maybe you want to use the law of relationship to actually tear something down that yeah. is maybe um, a, a, a belief you had as a child that isn't good. You know, so the law of relationship is a good way to kind of go like, how do I want to relate to this? Do I want to relate to it more? Do I want to like have a better experience of this? Do I want it to be fun? Do I want to yeah. enjoy it? And then you can start to figure, okay, what are the components I need to relate to this in a joyful way? Um, yeah. Example, writing, right? I write every single day. I've written for over 3000 days in a row. I have a great relationship with writing. Some days I don't want to write at all. But the thing is, is I look at it in terms of, you know, those days that I don't want to write um, are teaching me to be able to do something that most people can't do. And it's true. And so then I write and I do something that most people literally wouldn't do and probably couldn't do. Um, so you can, you can use your law of relationship to empower you to do something that you're like, I don't feel like it, but if I just do it, I've just cut out 95% of people, what most people could possibly even do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 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 It's like, there's, yeah, a, a great question to ask with this is, is, um, because I think a lot of this has to do with emotion, you know, like, is it totally. like, like joy and joy and, and suffering. Right. And would you choose to suffer over something and through something? No, an intelligent person would not choose to do, <laughs> to suffer through something. Right. So, um, you know, it reminds me of like one of the big messages I got out of meditations by Marcus Aurelius was something like, um, I can't remember the exact words as is usually the case with me, but you know, basically people are not disturbed by the events of their lives. They're disturbed by their opinions of them. Right. This is that it, that's relationship. That is a complete how, how you're relating to the world and how you're relating to yourself. When you feel that sort of friction, which we can sort of just equate as suffering, we'll just put it simply, but you ask yourself, it's like, is this how I would want to, would choose to feel about this? Is this how I would choose to feel it? The answer is no. All right. Now you have an opportunity to create a different relationship and that's an opportunity for creativity. How can you view this in a new light? Right? Because it's hard to stop something. It's easier to start something new, right? That's something that I've kind of learned about, you know, trying to break a habit or stop a habit. A lot of, you know, experts have said like, that's almost impossible to just, to make your goal to stop something, make it a goal to just start something new, right? So as opposed to this sort of negative thing where it's just like, okay, instead of smoking a cigarette, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, uh, I don't know, eat a granola bar <laughs> or something. I don't know what, what have you, right? But you, you, you replace it. You replace a habit with something that's better. And that's kind of, you know, a, on a practical, functional 
aspect of this law, that's that's something that we're all capable of. Yeah. It, yeah, the law of relationships is a very powerful one. I mean, there's so many applications to it. It's hard to even get into them all. But I think yeah. if uh, if you're sitting there and you're trying to, you know, jumpstart your creativity, you know, just look at it like, well, how am I relating to this? You know, and if it's not, if you're not relating to it in a way that's helping you, then change your relationship to it. And then boom, I think yeah. that'll help you get kind of moving. Um, I have to do this one because you mentioned it in the last <laughs> law. So yeah, the law of story. I love this one. Story is meaning. Are you telling a triumph or a tragedy? The stories you tell, including the ones you tell yourself, color your experience of life. Indicate what has meaning to you and where you're going. Story is powerful. Be mindful to tell them well. Which, by the way, the law of story and the law of meaning for us, we combined because oh yeah, that's after good, some good. thought, yeah, we realized that, well, really... It's kind of the same thing. Um, we actually used to think of them as two different kind of artist laws, but we realized, well, when we're talking about meaning, we're really talking about story and we're talking about story, we're talking about meaning. So let's just yeah. compile that. And it went from 21 laws to 20 laws. But by the way, if you want to listen to the episodes, you get two episodes on this particular <laughs> thing because one's titled The Law of Story and the other's titled The Law of Meaning. So enjoy those if you want to take it further. Uh, what are your thoughts, Evan? Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms, especially in, in, in relationship to the last law, <laughs> like it's, they're, they're kind of a, a, a terrific one-two punch. And I think we've already touched on, on a, a few of those, those connections there, but um, yeah, the stories we tell, the stories that we tell, and particularly this, I think that most importantly, as with so many things, the most important ones are the stories that we tell ourselves because um, that's where it always begins, right? The stories that we tell ourselves. And, um, you know, it's it goes hand in hand with when we notice those relationships, when there is something that is not working for us, when there's something that is causing us um, pain, right? And to quote uh, one of my favorite authors, Dan Millman, you know, pain, um, like pain is a part of life. Suffering is optional. And story can create suffering. Story, like you can experience pain, but you can you can tell a story of that pain that is a triumph, as the, the, the card says there, um, that where we learn something, where we take something out of it, where we become uh, more compassionate people. Like in the last episode, we I don't remember for which law it was that we were talking about, but we were talking about how, um, you know, you're always oh, the law of experience. And you're saying how your experiences don't make you who you are, but they provide you with the raw materials with which you make yourself. Mm. Story goes a lot along with that because the story is like, all right, how am I arranging those raw materials? Totally. Right. Totally. How, where am I putting them? How am I telling this, you know, and, and what is the meaning that I'm creating out of it? And you can become a, a richer human being or you can um, you can become more of a shell of a human being through through story, through telling yourself a bad story with a bad ending and that, you know, there's 
it's hard to it's it's hard to get into but also understate like just how how powerful story is in our lives story is so so important and it's i think unfortunate that most people don't really understand how to use it effectively because most of our models of story uh, for most of us are very like there's a kind of a structure that's actually, I don't think actually healthy. And what I mean by that is that there's a hero, a protagonist, right? This, this main character of a story. And then there's this antagonist, you know, and a lot of stories have this person that's like thwarting you. And it's something that I came across at a certain point in my life. I was like, no antagonists, not in my story. Like in the stories I write from a screenwriter, sure, we can play around and we can we can use that paradigm and have fun with it. But I'm not going to pick out people and say, you're my antagonist, you're thwarting me, you're against me. Um, you know, I think it's a very dramatic way to look at your life. I think that most people are not really trying to thwart you, you know, and and those that are, get rid of them, move away from them, you know, stop hanging out with them, push them away, you know, Um Find some intestinal fortitude to like not even get involved in their drama. Yeah, there's going to be people who are jealous of you and blah, 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 blah. But you're the one that decides that they're your nemesis or something, right? Like, um, and I know that sounds super dramatic, but I mean, people do this, right? They they make people the enemy. They make another political party the enemy, right? They, they tell this whole story about, oh, they must be idiots and they must, you know, they must think this way and they must support that. And it's like, you don't know that. Those are all assumptions and that's all story. Why don't you sit down and talk to them and have a reasonable conversation? And you know what you'll actually find out is that most people are just like you. Most people have, have values that are relatively the same. When you boil it all down, there, there, some people kind of see it a little more this way. Some people see it this way. It's We're not like at each other like we think we are. And so mm-hmm. um, one of the, the things about story, just to make this more personal, is you don't need to be at yourself like you are because those conflicts that we express externally are the same conflicts that are going on inside of us. So Mm -hmm. if you have great hate for somebody and you think they're thwarting you, you have that thing inside of yourself. And this is kind of an advanced idea and not everyone's going to accept this, but let me kind of put it this way. Story is your perception of the world and how you put together and and decide events and things work. And you're the one that like, if you look at a picture frame, you frame that picture, you decide how tight that picture is and how far away it is. So if you want to focus on something horrible, you can, you can get really minutely focused on that. That's telling story. You know, you can filter for that meaning that you can cut out, you can see a lot of good things coming into your peripheral all the time. And you can just cut all that out and just focus on all the bad stuff that's coming into your life. And then Mm -hmm. you can amplify the intensity of the emotion of your story by doing that. And then you can filter, you can frame, you can just, Oh, I I could go on and on about how all this works. You know, this is a lot of stuff that I teach, but the thing is, is like the important part is that if you're having a horrible experience, you're probably doing it and you're doing it by telling a story and you're so powerful at telling the story that you're emotionally charging yourself. So I think the idea is like, why don't you emotionally charge yourself in a way that's actually inspiring creativity and growth and expansion, you know, as, as opposed to like shutting down and hiding away and all these other things. Right. So, yeah. 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 And I also wanted to say too, that, 
you know, everybody's telling stories. Like even right now, like we're telling you a story. We're telling you a story about this law of story um, and how, you know, we're giving you an idea for how certain ways in which we can change the story that we're telling, you know, um, because our intention, oh my God, I'm going to link all of these in here, but (laughs) is, you know, we're trying to frame something in a more joyful and creative light. However, um, not everybody's telling stories like that. You know, we're, we're immersed in a world where people are telling a lot of stories of, of fear and stuff that is not bringing good things into the world. It's not bringing people together. There's stories of, you know, to, to break it down kind of more simplistically, like there's stories of divisiveness and there's stories of unity, right? And it's up to all of you, like, like, look, we're telling you a story right now. You don't have to accept it, you know, like it's, but what's important is for, for you to be aware of the stories that you're telling yourself, the stories that you've taken on that maybe aren't yours, that are maybe somebody else's story has a lot to do with authenticity as well. Now that I'm realizing a lot of authenticity, but, um, and that you need to be aware of, of the stories that you're telling and how are those stories ultimately serving you or not serving you? Yeah. Well, I'll say one last thing too, Evan. It's like, sometimes a story, like a story can do stuff for you. It it creates meaning for you. It helps you know what matters and what doesn't matter. And so um, if you're clear on your values and you, you know, you understand that you're telling a story that makes your values make more sense to you. Right. And, and if someone has seemingly different values than you, they're telling a story in which their values make sense to them. And if you guys are telling two different stories, thinking that you're each telling the same story, it's hard for you to understand each other. Um, and, and I think that the thing is, is like from a, just a practical point of view is like use story to serve you. I mean, like this is your life. Just use it as a, as a tool to empower yourself, to make yourself better. You know, if you want more connection, if you want the things you say you want, use story to make that possible. And if everyone else around you is not doing it, or your parents have never encouraged it in you and you're feeling like you're failing at your art or whatever the hell is going on for you, like just decide to change the narrative, change the story, tell a different story and change people's opinions. Be so inspiring with your story, the way you live it and the way you think that other people would look at that and be like, I want to jump on board that, that makes sense. That's inspiring. That's a vision, you know, law of vision, right? Yeah. Tie it all in. But I mean, it all plays, man. It all plays like stories, powerful. And I think our whole point is just like, use it to empower yourself and others. Don't use it to, to destroy, you know, you can, but if that's not really what you want to do, don't do it. Well said. All right. Let's go with choice. The law of choice. Did you have a choice? I feel like that was the last one. No, you got another. <laughs> no, I've got, there's, there's two more. I got two more, Brandon, after this. All right, all right. So. Oh, yeah, we do. We got more. Yeah, yeah. You always have the power to choose, even <laughs> when the choices don't appear ideal. Will you choose out of love or fear? 
Your decisions can always reflect the person you are and want to be. At an instant, you can reclaim this power to act clearly and creatively. Mm. Yeah, choice is interesting because usually we don't see the choices that we have. And more choice uh, gives you more options, gives you more confidence. Um, I think choice is interesting too because you can be overwhelmed by choice. I think that, oh man, there's so many things I want to say about this. One is that, one is that if you think you're between a rock and a hard place, look for a third option. That would be my, my little token piece of advice, because there's probably another option that you're not realizing. Um, you know, uh, so always consider that there's an option you don't see. And on the other side, if you're overwhelmed by choices or you're caught between two or three choices that you find, you don't know which way you should go. At the end of the day, if, if you're caught between choices that you need to make and you don't know which one to make, don't make the non-choice. That's the only bad option. Choose one, take responsibility for it, do your best to go down that road, whatever that choice is, and if it's not the right one, at least you made it. Don't, don't be forced into like having the choice be made for you because usually that will lead you down the worst path. Um, and then when you're overwhelmed with choice and you don't know what to choose, look at it this way. It's between standing still or moving forward. That's what it gets down to. So if, it, if it's flip a coin, if it's randomly scroll down a list and just make a pick, like just make a pick. You know what I mean? Because it kind of comes back to the whole thing. Like at the end of the day, I think choice is about you seeing your own personal power to be able to make a move and do something. It might not be the right one, but it's better to make a move than to, than to just get stagnant and stuck. And I think we all yeah. know that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, also choosing to do nothing is, is also, that's still a forward act in a certain way, but it's like, if it's done, it's, if it's done, with purpose. Yes. It's, it's done with like empowerment. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do anything right now. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to, you know, but that is a choice. That's an empowered choice. Yes. That's an empowered choice. And and sometimes it is an important one as opposed to doing nothing because, you know, you're not making a choice in which case, you know, something will usually be forced to, to the surface. It's going to be a hell of a lot more um, uncomfortable. And, you know, I think that choice is, you know, I, I remember learning about this at one, at one point in time. I don't remember where it was. That I first came across it. It's not really a super, it's not a new idea at all. None of what we're saying is new ideas, folks. Um, <laughs> just got some, got some different, different people talking about it. Um, but it was something about like what choice can do in terms of your your sense of well-being. Uh, actually, they've studied this. Where actually making choices makes is is makes be, makes you happier. Um, and a good way to do that is like, what's a choice that's good enough right now at this moment? Make that choice, right? Mm -hmm. um, instead of getting stuck in paralysis, um, which basically just creates anxiety and stress and all of that stuff. Making choices makes you happier. That's a that's a real thing. I think that came out of UCLA a few years back. Um, and one thing for me, it was like, you know, even when you have, when you have 
basically maybe your options, you're not crazy about any of them. You know, like when you're coming up against something, you're not crazy about your options. Well, still make the choice, you know, to either do this or not do this or whatever it is. And the thing is, is that you, you will still get a sense of well-being as long as you own your decision. As long as you stand by your decision, it's like, well, look, you could have done this or you could have done that. The choice you made was still the one that you're happier with, right? Like that's, that was kind of another way of, I changed some of my relationship around, around making choices, which is like, well, make, live and be happy with the choices that you make, even in the situations where you don't necessarily like your options own the fact that you still made the best one that you had available to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope that, that I don't know if I articulated that quite right, but I tried, I well, tried, did, Brandon. I, here's the thing. You do the best you can. Everybody's doing the best they can, you know? So, so give yourself, give yourself a bit of a break and give everyone else a bit of a break because, you know, even if you see something that they don't see, like they, they, they are doing the best they can. You are doing the best you can. One, one rule that I've learned, and, and this is something, you know, I, I just stand by so firmly. Do not make choices out of fear. And I say this because, mm. listen, your hypothalamus, like inside your brain, you already are programmed to make the right choice if you are truly scared. If you're in a situation fight or flight will enact and you will, you will do one of two things. It's one of three things, really. You'll either freeze, you'll run, or you'll fight. And when it comes to fear, you really only have those three options, right? Freeze, run, fight. So when you think about the complex world we live in and creating art and doing all of this stuff, fear really has no place because it only gives you three kind of options that are not very good. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're not good options. So if you let, and, and here's the other part of it. If you can get yourself scared, you're probably not in a place where at the moment you're actually in a dangerous position. It's in your mind. So you have to, like when it comes to law of choice, I think you have to remember that you got yourself to that emotional state through your mind because the bear mm -hmm. And the cougar, the, the tiger is not in front of you right now at this moment. So if you're feeling fear, the first thing you need to do is breathe through it, work out the fear, mitigate that feeling so that you can actually make a rational, intelligent choice about what you're doing. Um, because the greatest regrets you'll have in your life, in my opinion, will be the choices you made out of fear. And that goes for, I'm not going to go for my dream because I'm too scared. You know, that fear that you're having about your dream right now is not happening right now, but you're projecting it into the future and you're creating this whole thing about like, well, what if I write this script and it's terrible? All that's in the future, all that's non-existent, it isn't even happening. So yeah. if you're not writing the script or doing the painting or making the song because you're scared or you're doing something because you're scared someone is going to hurt you, but they're not actually pressuring you in that moment or whatever, you're not making a good choice in that moment. So 
um, one of the main things I would say about this law is like, try to not let fear be the driving emotion when you're using the law of choice. Try to calm yourself, breathe, collect yourself. And one of the things I always try to say to myself, and it's it's challenging, don't get me wrong, but is everything okay right now in this moment? And if yeah. it is, then let's, if I can put fear aside, just temporarily even, it'll come back later maybe, but let me put it aside. What would I choose without fear being a factor? Yeah. And then it becomes very clear. And very yeah. Awkward. Yeah. Presence has a lot to do with, with choice and, and totally. our ability totally. to make choices, right? To see um, if it's a problem, to be able to see the problem clearly. Um, and again, if you have not necessarily ideal choices either way, you can still make an empowered decision. Yes. I think that's that's one of the great things is ab about this is like you can still make an empowered decision even when your choices aren't great. And you can and, always feel good about that, right? And you can always feel good about that. choice from fear is not empowered. No, no. And also an, another thing that, that strikes me about this as well is that you know, often when we're we're stuck in in indecision, um, we're not we're also not um, accepting what is very often, right? So as you're saying, sometimes we're bringing in, you know, we're we're projecting our minds into a potential future that's really just imagined, right? That you know, there's very often a likelihood that's not ever going to be a reality, but um without being present with our decisions we um we can sometimes resist what is you know we can resist what's happening especially when we're um faced with like a, a challenging situation right as opposed to just like okay this is what's happening right now in this moment just deal with that just deal with that thing <laughs> that's yeah. happening you have to accept the reality of the moment don't lump in additional problems that aren't real right now. And then you can make a choice, you know, but once you start throwing in, you know, everything in the kitchen sink, you know, on top of the problem that isn't even there, you know, you make it so much harder to make a choice. But when you get clear and you can accept the present moment and the situation, you can make clear choices. Hmm. Well said. All right, moving along. Moving along. Okay. <laughs> simplicity, the law of simplicity. Oh, nice. Don't overcomplicate it. Whatever it is, your next thing or, or situation, you'll get stuck, lost, and confused. When you focus on doing the simple thing with your fullest attention, you create movement and all the beautiful complexities have a way of coming out on their own. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, keeping it simple is such an important part because a lot of the time we get way too complex. We we make things so difficult on ourselves. And I think the law of simplicity, it just makes life not only easier, but it, it makes it more fun because we do live in a very complex world. I don't think anybody could argue with that. You know, I think there's certain things that are kind of simple, but you know, there's a lot of complexity going on all the time. And I think if you're trying to create a great piece of art, you know, there's a lot of complexities to the craft of creating a great piece of art um, in whatever medium you're in. And 
I think, uh, you know, um, Ted, you know, Whittle, who is one of our teachers, one of the things that he really helped me with was, you know, he said, for example, if you're going in for an audition, don't try and bring every tool that you've ever learned and try and bring it into the audition and be like, okay, I got to do all this stuff. He's <laughs> yeah. like, go to the audition and focus on trying to do one thing. There's one thing you're really, really trying to do. And for example, that might be, I'm going to really, truly do my best to connect with the reader. You know, I'm going to really, truly try to respond to them and interact with them. And, you know, you might find that all the work you've done, all this practice that you've done that got you the opportunity to get this audition and all that, even if you haven't done it, whatever you have in your repertoire, by getting really focused and being really simple, a lot of that stuff will come in on its own and yeah. will actually make you more present and, and better. And, and com complexities actually often kind of create a fog and they actually disconnect us in a lot of ways. So simplicity in a lot of ways is like, just, just be more direct. Like, like you don't, you don't need to do everything, you know? Yeah. Like trust. And also the law of trust kind of comes in like trust that other things will work themselves out. You do the thing that you can do right now. Yeah. And that's because really that's, that's the only thing that we can do really well. I mean, again, like I'll, I'm going to take this into more of the sort of scientific territory again here, but um, you know, this is something that's also been studied and, and observed in, in human beings. We are not, human beings are not great at doing a bunch of things at multitasking as much as we all like to think that we're great at multitasking we're not we're really not consciously we're really only good at doing like one or two things at a time you know and at most we can sort of keep track of maybe about four things i think they say in general but that's like fairly menial tasks at that point but beyond that we're not particularly good our subconscious is really good at at dealing with complexities with with and what it actually does is it actually our subconscious is really good at simplifying complexities like putting it together in a way that um that makes sense um but con our conscious minds are not particularly good at doing that so when we are applying ourselves to something as much you know we like especially in the arts you know people like to be complex we want our our work to show a degree of of sophistication and complexity and all of that stuff and of course that's that's understood but the actual way to that is through simplicity you do you do the kind of the main thing as as simply as you possibly can and as you said all of these things when you do that when you commit to doing the simple things these complex things start to come out on their own and i'm i know that to be true through both as as an actor which you you commented on um, also in, in writing as well, where it's like, oh, holy shit, I did not realize I was putting that in there. This was the story I was writing. And then suddenly there's all of this stuff that, that kind of came out that I wasn't thinking about. I wasn't intentionally putting in there, but they came out still. Um, 
I realized that intention just came up in that <laughs> in that little diatribe that I went on on there too. But you know, it's like you you do something simple with with all you know your your intention placed upon that, um, and it's remarkable what comes out. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to say about it. I mean, I think that the law of simplicity comes in when you're just it's a very good practical tool to use when you're feeling like overwhelmed, when you're feeling like things are complicated, when you have too many choices, you know, to bring in a lot of choice again, um, just try and, you know, just try and go, go down to the simplest things. Um, you know, and, and I think also it's not something where you use it to oversimplify something either, like where you try and make everything black and white. That's like a misuse of the law. It's, you know, there is a gray area for a lot of things, but I think the law of simplicity goes, well, you know, this is kind of where I stand, you know, like don't, don't oversimplify, you know, with, with, with other people, you know what I mean? Like it, it kind of keep it, it's, it's a, all these things I think are very personal, you know, it's like, um, you know, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. And don't, don't try and like make it like, like some simple thing because you're doing this. Now I'm going to do this because I want to do this. Like cut out all assumption from it because um, simplistic assumptions can be dangerous. You know, I think assumption in general is kind of the thing that we need to be careful in all of these laws, you know, it's like, don't make assumptions, just, you know, make choices, own your choices. Um, and when it comes to like simple things, it's like, I'm going to go this way, you know, and it's simple, but it doesn't need to be backed up with a story. It doesn't need to, you know what I mean? Um, you don't need to, to, to overcomplicate why you want to do something. Maybe you yeah. just go, it feels right. And you know what? That's simple. That's enough. It feels right. Or it feels wrong. I don't want to do it. It feels wrong. That's enough. You don't need to know all the reasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. I remember like a while back we had a conversation when we were talking about just emotions, right? And it's like sometimes how we like to define something, you know, and and in in a way that's really sometimes defining something can be a way of overcomplicating things. And it's just like, well, why are you sad? And it's it's like, well, probably for a million reasons right? Like there's probably a ton of things that are making you sad, <laughs> you know, like, but we try and like pin it on to something. This might be a little bit off a topic, but I don't know. It's kind of an interesting well, little... point. It's like it, the law of simplicity would just say, just acknowledge you're sad. You don't need to have a yeah. reason why you're sad. You know, yeah. just acknowledging that you're sad is enough. Complicating it is finding a reason why, you know, you can just be yeah. sad. You're allowed, you're a human being, you're allowed to have that emotion. And yeah. you don't have to know why. You can just have it and it, there might not be a reason. Well, yeah, because, oh, yeah, I think that's what it is because sometimes it's a, it's a way of, like, intellectualizing it, right? Yes. Like, and it's a way that actually keeps us from feeling the emotion, right? It keeps us, we complicate things sometimes to, um, that's interesting. And it's actually something that I've, I observe with my students all the time <laughs> in <laughs> class, but it's just like the overcomplicating something is very often a defense mechanism for actually really 
being present or actually really feeling the feeling that they're having, you overcomplicate something and it's a way of, yeah, of not really getting to the shit. That's right? a really, that's a really, really good insight. Cause I would say that doesn't just go for acting that goes for music that goes for screenwriting goes yeah. for filmmaking. A lot of the time you just, you don't overcomplicating. It is just covering up the fact there's an insecurity or you feel something weird and you don't, you know, you don't want to. Yeah. 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 Keep it simple folks. Keep, Keep it, simple. it simple. Okay. We've got a few more. All right. What? Okay. Yep. Here we go. Play. The law of play. Abandon reason and re abandon reasons and expectations. Dive boldly into the unknown with the muse of play. Let it move you and shape you. Have some fun. You will shed some of the weight you're carrying and maybe even happen upon some creative insights to your situations. Nice. I love the law of play. Oh yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I mean, I feel like it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, if there was a go-to law for me as an artist, that, that is the one that like, if I'm ever in doubt, like which law to go to, the law of play is usually the right one to go to because there's so much clarity in just being playful and, you know, and, and, and having some fun and relaxing and enjoying yourself and, you know, it's like, it starts off like abandoned reasons and expectations. I mean, what a great way to start. <laughs> you don't need a reason. You just feel like doing it. You want to do it. Law of simplicity, whatever. But it's like, yeah. and, and don't worry about the expectations of what it has to be. Just give it a shot. Play, try it out, see what happens. You know what I mean? And through yeah. that, um, you know, you, you get to explore, you get to, you know, and, and, and I think it's one of those things. It's like, as adults, we don't always think about it, but it's like integral. It's like, it's so, so important. And when you lose a sense of play, you've lost, in my opinion, a sense of self that is just lost to the world. And the only way to find it, the only way to get to it, the only way to excavate it from its hiding place is to play. And through that, it, it, it comes out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, play is, is I think just such an overlooked thing as well, much like intentions. Um, and in fact, there's an interesting connection between intentions and play as well. Like in some ways, like sometimes that's how you, how you enter into play as well as the unknown is sometimes all you got is your intention, right? You don't know what you're looking for, but your intention is, you know, to discover right is to discover something and and play has a lot to do with that where it's just like you know who knows what will come out of it but it it is it's about letting go of you know what this has to be that this has to go somewhere that this you know play is for its own sake you know what i mean like play is um you know kind of a celebration and it's a celebration of itself um having no reasons, having, it's something that we don't do nearly enough, especially as we get, as we get older, you know, even, even the ways that we play as we get older, there's reasons behind them. Yeah. Right. And there's justifications for them. Um, as opposed to doing something for just, just no reason other than, I don't know. I just want to try, I just wanted to try something. I thought it's 
seemed like it would be fun, right? Just just for the sheer enjoyment and and there's just so much creativity that comes out of play because when you're in play, you're present, you're open, um, the spontaneous just has a way of emerging from it and the spontaneous always takes you by surprise. Um, there's a there's a talk that a bit from our favorite Alan Watts. Uh, he has this lecture about thinking and he said, you know, and he's talking about meditation in a way. And I guess play is a kind of meditation um, because there's a sort of emptying that you do when you play. There's a, there's, there's a, a letting go of, of a lot of rational thought that you do when you play, but that's so important because um, as Alan Watts points out in this one lecture that he gives, he's like, if you're always thinking, then you're always just thinking about thoughts. And if you're always just thinking, and if you're always just thinking thoughts, there's no place for something new to come in because your thoughts are things that are already known to you, right? So you're just kind of going over the same shit that you know over and over and over again. There needs to be a space where there's something you don't know, where there's a certain kind of silence that, um, that happens inside of you. And play is an interesting way in which we, we find that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's like, uh, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to have these action figures and I would sit around and play with these action figures and kind of like create these really great stories and stuff with them. And they were all, they all had like a character and a personality and stuff. And I always found it, I always found this kind of funny, right? My parents would be like, okay, well, we're going and we're doing this. And like, when I was a kid, we used to have a boat and they'd be like, we're going on the boat and we're going to go do this. And I'd be like, no, nah, I don't want to go. I'm doing my thing. <laughs> and then of course I was a kid. So <laughs> I had no say, grab me, you know, we go over to the boat, we're on the boat. Now, while we're on the boat, I'd start playing with my toys again. And then I'd start creating a story in the world of the boat, right? In the, you know, and then we'd be like, okay, well, we're here, you know, time to get out, time to go do this. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to. Play is like, um, and then I'd end up, you know, they'd end up doing something and then I'd be like on a rock or something playing with my toys again. And the thing about play is that it's a, so adaptable, you know, like it's such a useful tool to use like any situation you're in. Um, and when it gets disrupted, or it has to stop. It's like, ah, oh, I don't want it to stop because it's such a good like place to be in. And it is kind of meditative because if you let yourself just kind of fool around, you try things, you do things that you wouldn't, you know, that you wouldn't do if you had to like get something done. Um, and I just bring this story up as a little kid because it it showed me that really the environment can change, the situation can change, um, things can get disrupted, and I can just pick up and I can work with whatever I have. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it was. It was like um, the environment would change, but then I would just work with it. And and the law of play to me is kind of like you use it when you're trying to work with something. You just it's what you have, 
So just work with it. Just play with it. Let's see what happens. Like, let's see what you can do with this because you don't always get the ideal circumstance that you think you should have, or you think you'd want, or you think it would make this perfect. But what if you just took with what you had and you just played with it and tried it out and saw what happened, you might find out that it was actually perfect in the way it is. Yeah. Instead of trying to like hammer something out or grind away at something, you know, these expressions that we have, you know, like hammer it out, grind it out, you know, and, (laughs) and we say it with this, with this sense of, of like, you know, admiration, you know, and it's just like, well, maybe try the opposite approach. Maybe try to play it out. Yeah. You know, we do have that expression as well. Like, well, play it out. Yeah. Play play it it out. out. Like, like imagine, you know, like get creative play, play with it, play with it instead of grind it out. Cause again, going back to what we're talking about, our relationships to things, you know, like our, our, the stories that we're telling, you know, like that, that's, that's sort of a relationship that we've been told. That's a story that we've been told. You work, you grind it out, you hammer it out, that sort of shit. And it's just like, well, you can tell a different story. Cause is that how you want to do your life? Is that how you want to, 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 work and live and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, how about injecting a little bit of play instead? And I think very often you'll come to, uh, you'll just as easily, if not easier, come to, come to whatever solutions you need. Totally. Yeah. All right. All right. We're getting down to the wire. (laughs) This is the final law that I will share, but not the final law for today. Um, (laughs) The law of ending. Any creative endeavor can be endlessly tinkered with. Eventually, you have to say it's good enough. Take your lessons and move on. Remember, you are infinitely creative and you will discover amazing new horizons to explore. In fact, that's exactly what you want. I mean, this is, you know, this is the thing. It's like endings can be beautiful and we don't have to look at them as something that's like some kind of negative. Um, and we don't, we don't even have to look at them as some type of positive. Like for example, if you're going through a horrible time, there's going to be an ending to your horrible time. I mean, if you're going through a great time, there's going to be an ending and both of those, they bring relief and they bring humility, right? They bring with them great things, but there is kind of a, um, a law that we kind of stumbled across, which is that like everything comes to an end, but then also everything has a new beginning. And um, that's why the law of ending and the law of beginning are such a great pairing because, you know, you might be in something good and you're like, I never want this to end. But the fact that you know that it will, because all things end, that it gives you an appreciation, law of appreciation, for the thing you're doing. And it gives you a certain amount of, um, you know, really getting involved with it. You know, the, the law of ending, um, it's, it's an interesting thing because if you looked at it from a term terms of a journey, right? I like this kind of analogy of you have to walk through the valley to get to the mountain, to climb the mountain, to And as you get up the mountain, you know, the mountain gets colder and harsher and steeper and rockier and all this stuff. 
and then you get to the peak of the mountain. And then what do you do? You climb down the mountain and you walk down the mountain into the next valley and you go through that valley climbing the next mountain. And you, you know, and yeah. all of those things, all of those elements in your journey must, they must end. And there's something about that where it's like, okay, like, here's another example. I have to give one more children, children, you might be going through a time where they're crying or they're, they're really difficult or they're saying no to you all the time, but this will end. And there may be a day where you look back and you'd be like, man, I really miss that time. So when you are really in touch with the law of ending, you realize that when you're in your struggle as an artist, know that that will end eventually. So why not just embrace it? Why not just be like, okay, this is a part of the process. This is a part of the journey. This is, this is going to be over. So I might as well learn and take as much from what I can from this while I'm here, because one day it won't be what I'm, what I'm in anymore. This will be done. Yeah, man, you, you touched on so much great stuff. Um, I want to pick up on, yeah, like this, that relationship between beginning and ending where, you know, like they're really, I think that if you think about it enough, you realize that they're, they're one in the same thing, you know, beginning and ending. I do think that it's worth, you know, that we've split them up and, and, you know, talking about them, um, in a specific focus, but they're, the, the beginning and ending are the same process. It's all, they're, they're all part of one process, which is another law that we have. Um, and, you know, related to seasons as well, like think about how this is related to what we were talking about with seasons too. Um, I think that like, especially as far as, um, life and creativity is concerned is that like every ending contains within it, the seeds of a new beginning. Like they're like, it yes. contains with it, the seeds always, I was listening to Paul Thomas Anderson or reading a Paul, something, something with Paul Thomas Anderson. And he was talking about how, um, he's all like, usually towards the, like when he's getting towards the end of filming, whatever movie he's, he's, he's on something, something seeds itself. And he's like, it's, and he, he talks about it like, as if it's like, it's like almost like clockwork. It happens every single time something starts coming to him towards the end of every movie and so while he's finishing it up there's like a little idea a little image a something that comes in and he'll like okay and he'll like just kind of take note of it like he's not fleshing anything out at this point but there is something that is seeding itself at the end of whatever he's doing mm -hmm. um which is a beautiful beautiful thing and i think that the law of ending is like learning to embrace that you know because i think that you know, definitely in, in the realm of artists, a lot of artists get, um, you know, get really attached to something that they're on, that they're working on and, and developing, and it never reaches an end point, you know, like it just never reaches that end. And it's just like, look, just let it end, you know, like, because could you make it better? Probably, but that's always going to be the case. Sometimes you just got to let it like, let it go so that the next thing can seed itself for you. But until you, until you let it go and you've committed to letting it go and letting it end, that can't happen. 
right? So it's kind of like a, it also presents a caution against, you know, getting too precious about, about things. You bring up a really good point. I think a lot of creative people, a lot of people in general can, can attest to being somewhat perfectionist in what they're trying to do. And the law of ending is kind of the answer to perfectionism. You know, it's like, okay, when is enough enough? When, when are we going to launch? When are we going to call this the, the the done, you know? And actually um, I think it's Jack Canfield who wrote a book, uh, the success principles. I think it was him, but anyway, it is actually quite a good book. But one of the things that he talked about, which I actually really strongly agree with, and it helped me a lot when I was going through one of the hardest times of my life was that make a list of everything that needs to get done. That just needs to get completed and like taken off. Cause right now it's taking energy from you and you're focused on like, I need to get that. I need to get that. And you get, and then make a list. And I, I think he gets into this, but like prioritize it, like just boom, 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 like take those things off the list. And the law of ending is kind of like that. It's like, just get closure on a bunch of stuff, wrap, wrap it up, be done with it. You know, it's over. Like if you don't want to be putting energy to it and you got all these things that are taking all your energy, you know, it kind of goes back to a bit of the law of simplicity, simplify your life and some things that don't need your attention or your energy or your focus anymore and put all of your attention on the few things that actually do and you will find success in your life. And I, I would find it, you know, there's not going to be many people that would argue with that point who are successful. You know, it's usually the most unsuccessful people in life. And that's not a judgment. That's, that's just poor education is that they have too much stuff going on in their life to manage, but they can't give their actual full attention to anything. So the law of end, uh, law of ending to me is kind of like, um, end putting your energy to things that no longer need it and, and begin putting your energy towards the things that do. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, you brought in that whole thing of, cause yeah, it's, it's all where we're putting our energy into and it all demands kind of energy. And when you don't allow yourself to end certain things, your energy is still tied up into those things and it's, and it's going out into too many places. So I think that's good practical advice to cap it, cap that one off, Brandon. Hey man. Okay. So listen, you have another law. We yeah. have one more to finish this baby up, but uh, let's do our beer. Cause I'm, let's do the beer. Absolutely. I'm, I was thinking I'm, the same I'm thing. I'm cruising through this one and I won't have much left by the time we're done. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead. I'm drinking uh sweet A's South Pacific ale. It's uh it's another one from red truck. Nice. Um, and it's a nice, it's like a nice light, nice light, refreshing beer, man. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's like, so it's kind of got like a, you know, it's a South Pacific thing. So I'm, I'm presuming it's kind of got like a, um, well, I don't know. I don't know exactly what, what region this is supposed to be kind of aiming for. I, I have, I have a feeling like it's kind of uh, like, um, like uh, an ale based out of what you would get like in like Thailand and stuff like that. But it's, um, it's good. It's really great. Nice. I'm having one from Dogwood Brewing. It's in Vancouver, BC. I wasn't too sure what I would think about this one, honestly, but it's been all right. I've actually been pretty happy with it. Um, um, I like it. It's good. It's organic. It's called London Fog. 
Um, Earl Grey tea and vanilla is kind of the flavor. Um, says it's light and refreshing, bursting with flavor. This golden ale is a sessionable and easy drinking with complexity that will have you wanting more. Drink up while you can because it won't be here forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been pretty good, actually. I, uh, you know, I, I was expecting it to have more of a kind of London fog kind of flavor to it, but it's actually been pretty mild, which I've appreciated because I think if it was any more, it would have been overwhelming for me. Um, but it's been good. And I've been obviously drinking through it quite quickly because I'm nearly done and we're not done the podcast. So that's a good sign always. All right. Let's, uh, let's do this. Cause, um, unfortunately I am constrained for time here, which I never like for a podcast, but here we are. Ramping These ones up. go a little bit long. <laughs> All right. So let's do this. Uh, the last law is the law of harmony. Create space for all things that are enriching in your life. This is the essence of harmony. Space for play, relaxation, contemplation, adventure, relationships, as well as work. But on a larger scale, everything is in harmony when you open your perspectives. It's kind of a big one. Um, it is a big one, but you know, I think we can, we can use simplicity on this one in terms of <laughs> how we talk about it. I mean, just off the top, the first thing is like creating space for all things that are enriching in your life. You know, like, um, I don't remember again where I heard this from, but this was, uh, someone who was saying like, they didn't like to think of like, um, finding balance in your life. They, they like to look at it as finding harmony, right? Because, you know, our life is not necessarily about balance. It's not one thing or the other. It's, it's a great number of things that make up our, mm -hmm. who we are and, and our lives. So in terms of creating harmony, um, I think of, yeah, like it's, it's creating space for all kinds of things to have room in in our lives um and it listed out a good number of them there but um i think it's i think it's important um because there are too many things that i think fall kind of by the wayside things that we don't give enough of a of a priority in our lives and um and we we suffer as a result for it that's good, man. I, you know, I don't really always think of the law of harmony when I think about my creative process, but I'm realizing now that there's kind of something really valuable about it. You know, it's just not the, it's not one of my go-tos that I would generally go to, but I like this idea of harmony because it's like everything, when it all has a healthy relationship with each other, when everything kind of, kind of works and it fits and it's not infringing on the next thing you're in harmony. You know, you, you, you have a certain sense of ease. And I think that harmony is such a, an important element as an artist, because when your life's in chaos, it's very hard to be creative. It's very hard to explore and, you know, play and do all these great things that we've been talking about. Um, you know, it's interesting. I realize how a lot of the other kind of laws, like the law of ending, 
actually relate to this well it's like if you're not in harmony the law of ending could be a very good kind of law to look to where you go well all these things if they're taking away the harmony in my life if they're just clouding it and they're making things they're putting pressure on me that's unnecessary i mean close those off at the end of the day i think harmony is like something that allows you to actually live you know if you're not in harmony you're not living something i try to do mm-hmm. is i always try to make sure i make some time to go for a hike or to sit on my deck and drink some coffee you know and 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 look out the window or go to the beach or just do a few little things for myself and they don't have to be for long but maybe even just go for a drive but do some things that are you know allow me to just be and i think like when i think about the law of harmony i think it's like the love like allowing yourself to be in peace um and and the fruits of being in peace are so great you know but it um you have to it's one of those things where you have to go like if you're in a i think from a practical point of view if you're having trouble as like an artist finding time to do your creativity or just to get started or whatever maybe looking to the law of harmony might be a good way to kind of go okay well what's stopping me from being in harmony and how do i create and nurture an environment or a place for myself where i have the space to actually do these things that are important for me yeah that's kind of i think a good practical way to kind of get yourself to just have space you know you need yeah. space you need some room you need you need a little breathing room mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know if you've ever done one of these these exercises before like a lot of um I think a lot of life coaches work with these things. I don't know what they're called, but you can easily find them. But, you know, it's kind of like a wheel, you know, it's like a wheel that has a bunch of different sort of sections in it. And it's just like, you know, you've got work, you've got love, you've got exercise, you've got friends, you've got family, you've got, um, you know, leisure. Like there's, there's kind of like, there's a, different ones that list different things, but most of them are kind of like, they share a lot of similar things, but you know, you go through each one of these things and in each sort of section of it, um, you write a number from one to 10, just intuitively, write Like how, how sort of like fulfilled do you feel in this, in this area? And it kind of at the end of it shows you where, um, where you're sort of, you don't have harmony. Mm-hmm. where there's where there's too much that's that's being given to it where there's too little being given to something else and you can sort of get a visual representation of you know where what might need a bit more attention for in your life to to create a greater space of harmony um and i think that you know as you also sort of pointed out i think that what i love about and why I wanted harmony to to be the last one that I I read out here was because, you know, all of the laws are kind of about harmony, you know, like, and there's, there's a harmony amongst all of these, um, these things. And one thing that I do believe is like, you know, at at the end of this, this one law that was said, it's like, you know, from a bigger perspective, everything is in harmony. And by that, I like to think of it as it's there for us at any given moment. We can start creating more of it or we can start creating less of it. 
but it is there. I think that uh, nature has has a tendency towards creating towards creating harmony. And if we can, when we can start to pay attention to that and listen to it, we can start to move with it. And I think that it can be something that comes quite naturally. Hmm. Well, man, I mean, this has been, this has been a good little ride. I feel like, uh, you know, my final thoughts on all of this is that, you know, I hope anybody who's like kind of listened to all of this, you know, that you, you just look at it and go like, look, there's a way, there's a way to be creative. There's a way to get yourself going. There's a way to get unblocked. And, you know, if you're, if you're willing to just take a look, you know, if you're willing to try, and I think like, you know, um, for any of our listeners, like I really do encourage you guys to go to the website and get the little PDF we have, because I feel like it's kind of like a lifesaver, you know, you can use it to just kind of be like, Hey, you know, like I, I need to get going today and just open it up and, and scroll through and pick, pick a law, you know, and just point at it and go, okay, this is where I'm going to start, you know? And then if you're blocked, you know, just do the same thing. Um, you know, and I think that, that if that gets, you know, at least a few people to kind of, to not give in to the complexity of life and the pressures of life and like shut down their dreams and their creativity. If that gives you a tool or a way to just get beyond what we're all kind of up against, you know, then I think that's a huge win. So, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I guess, you know, I'm going to kind of finish for, for myself is like, I'm going to go back to the law of appreciation, which I think we mentioned last week, but this, like, I appreciate you guys listening to this. I really do. And uh, I appreciate having this conversation with you, Evan. And, you know, going over this stuff again is, has kind of made me a little clearer. And it's, it's just helped reinforce why it's so important to like not let this sometimes cumbersome world stop me from doing what really matters in my heart. Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough closer to follow, Brandon, but I'll give it a shot. Um, you know, yeah, like this, the, this creative jump starter was really designed to confront what you're talking about. All of this shit that we carry around with us um, that just stops us from creating the things we want to create, creating the lives that we want to create, um, from going for the things that we, that we love and that we're passionate about, you know, as a way of confronting these things and in a way of, of moving past them. And I, I hope that, uh, the jump starter to, uh, anyone who's interested, you know, who wants to download it again, it's a free thing that we've uh, put up on our website. You know, I hope that you, it's something that you can use and, and find it be helpful and that this conversation has, um, aided with that as well. And, to explore, I think I said this after the last one as well, but, you know, explore these these ideas and these laws for yourself, you know, um, whether that's a conversation with somebody else or just, you know, maybe something you journal about or meditate about, you know, dive into these for yourselves and, and start to see, you know, what these, what these things, how they speak to you, what they mean to you in your life. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. 
Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.